This is a work of fiction. Written, narrated, and produced by me, Dennis Macareg. Please subscribe to my podcast and share it with friends. Travelers behind and in front of me are eager to get to their hotels. The sound of luggage wheels rolling on the concrete floors buzz in unison. I walk out of the Santa Lucia station not knowing what to expect. Its eggshell, white exterior, and wide stairs look modern. The eye candy of sun-baked pastel-colored buildings smack me in the face from across the Grand Canal. Finally standing in the city of canals, the floating city, a smile sips across my face. What a crazy and genius idea rolled into one. Who thinks of stuff like this? By fleeing the conflict on the mainland, the Venetians ended up creating a magnificent city. A wooden water taxi glazed in a layer varnish glinting on the green water zoom past me as if the scene is straight out of a Hollywood movie where a movie star will pop out of the roof and a film crew with lights and cameras will be trailing behind. What just happened back on the platform? Maybe it was just misinterpretation of what she said and an overreaction. I should have been more patient and waited a few seconds more, then asked her what was on her mind. Walking faster and passing by tourists with guidebooks in their hands, I hoped to catch up with her. Shading my eyes from the bright sun, the weathered green dome of San Simeon Piccolo is directly in front of me, covering half of the Adriatic sky. I take in the grandness of my first image of Venice and fill my lungs with the sweet smell of the thousand-year-old city. Boats of all sizes are abuzz on the Grand Canal. The panorama of buildings, built hundreds of years ago, welcomes me as if we have met before and are now just getting reacquainted. I must have been here in my past life. It feels like a warm embrace. The buildings withstood kingdom takeovers, two world wars, and many other world events. Narrowing my eyes and searching the immediate area, my hope that Olivia is standing and waiting for me, but there is no sign of her. We've been separated less than 10 minutes. She must be here somewhere. I consider walking across the Ponte something-something. Pronouncing the name escapes me, but it's also called the Barefoot Bridge, arcing over the canal. Porters wait at the foot of the bridge to carry the heavy luggage of visitors. But some people choose to haul their own belongings across, struggling with each step. Going to the outer edge of the station, there are restaurants and stores where my search continues. After 15 minutes or so, 
she is nowhere to be found. It looks like she's gone. Time to give up. Might as well proceed with my original plan of enjoying the city by myself. As a cool breeze blows over my face, it slowly erases my disappointment. I want to explore the town right away, but exhaustion is setting in. An hour of rest would do me good. Time to go directly to my hotel, drop off my luggage, and take a quick nap. Luckily, the ticket booth of the water bus station is just a few steps away. I buy a one-way ticket to my hotel and wait inside the station. The line of energetic sightseers ready to conquer the city and impatient locals are waiting ahead of me. As soon as we're allowed to board, I politely push my way to the front of the boat for an unobstructed view, mumbling, Scusa! The engine revs and the boat pulls away from the station. Hundreds of visitors are flooding its wide steps, armed with maps and courage for their adventure. Marveling at the grandness of the city, a tinge of melancholy pokes me in the ribs at the same time. It will be the last time to see it because it's a different route on the way to the airport. After so many years of seeing Venice on travel shows and in the movies, I have finally made it. Trying to act like a local and not like someone who arrived just minutes ago, my wide-eyed expression is a dead giveaway. A local woman sits next to me. Her lined face is wary. A group of giggling students are snapping away with their cameras. As the boat begins to move through the S-shaped Grand Canal, we pass by the pastel-colored buildings with boats parked in front. Seagulls are flying overhead and singing in chorus as if they are part of a minstrel show. The mansions in faded peach and canary yellow built in the Venetian Gothic style with pointed arch windows and columns are built so close to each other. Four-story buildings rise from the water on both sides of the canal. Churches appear along the water route with statues of saints beckoning pedestrians to stop by. Stone palaces, palazzos are on both sides. Delivery boats and garbage boats harmoniously share the same water space. Just then, a siren from a water ambulance wailing in the distance interrupts my flow of concentration. All the boats give way. I turn to see where it's heading but it quickly disappears into a narrow canal. From the rooftop, regal statues of lions are looking down as if amused by the hubbub of activities. More boats are moored to candy cane posts. The architects and artisans of the past who built these magnificent palazzos were truly geniuses. It's hard to imagine that these structures were made of heavy stones, are supported with wood pilings driven into the soft earth that serve as the sturdy foundation. If paradise exists, I don't have to die to get there. I'm 
already living it in this minute. From a distance, it looks like Olivia standing along the bank taking pictures. She's wearing the same outfit, pink blouse and tapered blue jeans that she wore earlier when we first met. My heart begins to pound. I want to run and ask her what I didn't have a chance to do back at the train station. In a typical romantic comedy scene, shouting out her name. Everyone around me will stop whatever they're doing to see what the commotion is all about. She'll wave back to me. In my haste, I will jump from the railing, slip and fall in the water. The crowd will be whistling and shouting encouragements. We are approaching a stop to pick up and drop off passengers. The chance to make up for my stupidity earlier is being handed to me on a silver platter. Getting up, I extended my luggage handle and ready myself for a quick escape. Then, to my astonishment, a man approaches her holding two cones of gelato. Seeing them together wrecks my hope of being able to hang out with her. They look so comfortable together as if two lovers on a secret rendezvous. We stop directly in front of them, so close that I could touch her. She takes off her sunglasses and hat. Then my heart rate, beating at 500 times per minute, immediately plummets. It's not Olivia after all, but someone who looks like her. Please check out my latest novel, A Whisper to the Moon, at online retailers and at bookstores where it's available. Thank you for listening to the third episode of my podcast. For this episode, since he didn't really get the girl and everything fell apart because he wasn't assertive enough, she wasn't really part of the plan. So what? He met a cute girl, but nothing came of it. Ha! It's the way it is, right? Life. Might as well stick to the original plan and do some sightseeing. I began to describe how beautiful Santa Lucia Station is with the same impact it gave me when I first saw it. Once you walk out of the station, literally, Venice is right in front of you. It is really pretty and really grand. And this is technically the last stop. It doesn't go anywhere. My first impression was, wow, this city is amazing. I'm already in the city and the sightseeing instantly begins. One thing I ask myself is that how did the people from the past create such magnificence? It's like a theme park. It's, it's really hard to explain. And of course, water taxis, water bus, and several types of boats are zooming along the Grand Canal. It's one of the things I wanted to mention because it's such an iconic description of Venice. There's nowhere else on this planet that this sort of thing is going on. 
and to realize that it's a fully functioning city and that it's not done for tourists alone, you're just blown away. One thing that impressed me is watching the people in the water taxis because they look like a million bucks. Probably it only cost them $50. And if they're with five friends, and if you divide that, that's about $10 per person or 10 euros per person. Not bad. At this stage of the story, he bought a water bus ticket to get to his hotel. But in my case, uh, when I went to Venice, our hotel was actually just across the Grand Canal. So all I had to do was to uh, pull my luggage because the, uh, the bridge that goes across the Grand Canal, is like, uh, there's like wide steps. It's kind of difficult. Actually, they have guys who would uh, charge you for, I don't know, five euros to help you carry the bag across the bridge. And I thought it was really funny. I didn't do it, but then again, after I carried my luggage across the bridge, I kind of thought, hey, maybe I could save my back. But in the novel, it makes more dramatic if, uh, you know, Greg jumps on the water bus and begins his tour of the city right away, which, you know, I actually jump on the water bus and kind of did the same thing he was doing. But of course, uh, when I did it, it was later on that day. There are so many activities going on in Venice. It's just, it's just mind-boggling, like I said. I think I've used mind-boggling twice already. Oh, well. They say in writing, you know, try not to use the same uh, phrase or a word uh, 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 many times, especially if it's in the same chapter or paragraph. But, you know, I'm just narrating, so telling my experience. So I guess it's okay. Lots of tourists are taking pictures, couples on honeymoons, families with their kids, crying, screaming, you name it. People who are in love. It's just everybody is just taking in this, this magnificent uh, experience. And being in Venice, you don't really have to say much. You just have to like sit, observe, and just breathe that moment of what's coming into your senses, right? That's what Venice does to you. When I was in Venice, I was living in the here and now. There's no time to think of the past and worry about what's going to happen in the future. In life, living in the moment is something that we should strive for because that's what I try to do every day. The past is just the past. It hurts. We made mistakes. But you can't really do anything much about it. The best way we can deal with it is to just uh, learn from it and just really move on. I apply this to my writing a lot. I made a lot of mistakes with my writing, my first draft, second draft, you know, and then... You just move on, and even after a book is published, most writers would say that he or she should have uh, written a certain chapter that way, deleted a scene, added a scene, but, you know, it's, it's a done deal. And that's what life is all about. It's kind of like when you travel. 
You know, you've made all your preparations. You got your passport in your hand. You have your ticket, luggage, cell phone, guidebook. You step onto the airport, pass through security, get on the plane. And once that gate closed, you are now a citizen of the world. You're a traveler. You're a person who will live in your suitcase for the next 10 days 